So a week ago, there was a news story, both online and in print, that said that the United Methodist Church had announced a plan to split. And that's only partially true. The reality is that there are several proposals that are going before General Conference 2020 that would effectively split the church. However, none of these proposals have been perfected uh, or amended or brought before the plenary body where they'll be amended again and the amendments will be made to the amendments and the entire legislative process will work its way out and certainly none of these proposals have been voted on. So as of now, uh, the idea that there's a plan to split the United Methodist Church is fake news. It's fake news. But uh, there are several proposals on the table um, that between you and me, I think, have a relatively good uh, opportunity to pass. Uh, the reason why the story came out this past Friday with the language it had is because um, a significant proposal did... Uh, did come out on Friday uh, from the College of Bishops. And they released a protocol for separation, um, which is significant. It, it really is. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just another proposal. Uh, but it is significant, and it's significant because for the first time, the College of Bishops is acknowledging that a split is imminent and that they want to be part of the process of making it as painless as possible. Um, up to this point, most of our bishops have uh, said something to the effect of, uh, the church is not going to split on my watch. Um, but this really marks a shift uh, amongst the College of Bishops, and that it was released on their website. It's significant. It's significant that the bishops are... Uh, at the table, and they're trying to broker this split in as painless a way as possible. Uh, the other thing that's significant is that this is the first proposal that has, by name, said that the Wesleyan Covenant Association uh, will be released to become a new conservative denomination in the United Methodist tradition. This is significant because every other proposal up to this point has used kind of vague language, you know, there will be an opportunity for a new conservative church, an opportunity for a new progressive church, uh, but this is the first time that, that a specific caucus group has been named as one of these future denominations. So that's significant too. But I think we need to have some perspective about all of this. Um, even though it appears that a split is imminent um, and that some of the, the places that we've been fighting over the last 12, 20, 40 years uh, might be going away for at least a, a time period, um, ultimately the United Methodist Church, when it uh, splits, is not going to be splitting over a single issue. It's going to be splitting over a plethora of issues that have all been made possible because we have a system of governance uh, that simply doesn't work for the modern world. You look at the, the, the history behind you know, Coke and Asbury and how that all sort of came to play in North America, and it's fascinating, but we aren't going to get into it now. Um, but all of it was sort of written by and understood by Englishmen in the 18th century. And what was England doing in the 18th century? 
the greatest colonial project the world has ever known. They understood what it meant to have plug-and-play governors for different colonies uh, around the globe. So to hold buildings in trust with the understanding that you know you can plug-and-play the group that uses that building um, would have been something that made sense to an 18th century Englishman or uh, recently uh, independence-loving American. But for us, in 2019, now 2020, um, this, this idea of a, uh, a colonial imperial structure for putting the church together doesn't make sense. Um, our bishops are not equipped to go to churches that have moved away from Methodist teaching and practice and say, okay, um, you, you're out, right? Like we're taking your building and we're going to fill it with people who are, uh, who are actually Methodists. Um, you know, our bishops aren't equipped. They haven't grown up in a world where they can go to pastors who are uh, moving away from United Methodist teaching and saying, look, you're out. We'll find someone else. Um, because, you know, what it is to be a Methodist is important. Um, so we have this, this sort of colonial imperial system uh, where the understanding is the, the churches are both actually United Methodist and they are contributing to the good of the whole. So we have this reality where all the different churches pay apportionments. And those apportionments, um, you know, fund new ministry and they pay the bishops and they uh, pay the rent on different conference property. And in 2020, um, it's not working anymore. In large part because our bishops are not equipped to make it work. Uh, there's this tension. Um, because we are uh, not... The, the air that we breathe and the water we swim in is not colonial and it's not imperial. Um, we tend to uh, have this sort of strange hodgepodge where churches are voluntarily uh, agreeing to doctrine and practice of the United Methodist Church, but uh, they are coerced into paying apportionments into the the, the bigger the bigger group. Um, so we've had this this sort of uh, strange American version of colonial hierarchy up to this point. Um, and my fear is that every church that comes out of this uh, this split that will likely take place at General Conference 2020 is going to accidentally um, and organically retain this part of our DNA that gives us a unworkable polity and an unworkable governance. And I think what we'll see is that within a generation we'll have the same sort of problems in every offshoot denomination um, that we're seeing now. I mean, the, like the issue will change, but the same core disobedience, the same core uh, inability to uh, come to the table and work as one cohesive unit and connection is going to, to survive. 
So I think what it's going to take for any of these future denominations to be healthy, uh, for any of these future denominations to truly be in uh, vibrant connection with one another, is moving away from the colonial imperial model and embracing a franchise model. Um, because here's the reality. The name of the denomination and the, uh, the benefits of the connection have value. They have value to the local church. They have value to the pastors. Um, this is part of why part of the fight is over who gets to keep the name United Methodist. Um, and what we're seeing right now is that the bishops are not operating from the place that says to be a United Methodist church has value. To be a United Methodist pastor has value. Um, because, you know, so here's an example. Here in Grove City on Stringtown Road, we have McDonald's. And um, if one day the owner of that McDonald's franchise there on Stringtown Road decided, you know what, we've had golden arches for a long time, but I really think if we had neon green arches, that would just, that would be awesome. That would be so much better than these golden arches. We just need to have neon green arches. Um, if they were to do that, the higher-ups at McDonald's would drive down to Grove City the next day, and they would revoke the franchise. Because McDonald's understands that the name McDonald's has value. That, that the golden arches as a logo have value. Uh, likewise, if, if the McDonald's on Stringtown Road decide that they didn't want to serve Big Macs anymore, they wanted to serve personal pizzas. McDonald's, the higher-ups would come down and they would revoke the franchise because the Big Mac is at the core of what it is to be a McDonald's. Um, so what we have right now is we have churches that are United Methodists in name, but aren't United Methodists in any sense of doctrine or practice. Um, so, you know, I, I think about what this what these future denominations may look like. Uh, and ultimately, if there isn't an understanding at, that the connection is based on understanding the value of what we share together, um, you know, within a generation, we're going to have the same issues we have now. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to, in order to experience a reality that's different than what we've seen in the failure of the United Methodist experiment is we're going to need to have bishops that have the courage to go into churches that say, uh, you know, we, we don't want a female pastor and say, okay, well, you can still be a church, um, but you're not going to be a United Methodist church. So take the name down. Um, we're not going to provide you with uh, the appointment, you know, um, you're out. Uh, likewise, if we have pastors who say, um, you know, I'm, 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 I don't baptize infants, we need to have bishops who have the courage to go to them and say, look, our understanding of who God is and how God loves us says that God loves us in spite of of all that we do, that there's nothing we do to earn God's love. So this idea that, you know, you're only going to baptize people who have somehow 
earned the capacity to ask to be baptized runs in the face of what we understand Wesleyan doctrine to be. You know, so so you're out. You know, and, and there are, you know, half a dozen things that this could be true of, right? Like pastors who deny the divinity of Christ, they're out. Uh, churches that, that won't uh, receive minority pastors, they're out. Churches that, that just refuse to pay apportionments. Not that, they're, not that they're broke, but they just refuse. They've got to be out. Now, I'm not saying you have to have, you know, a steel hammer here, right? Like you can develop a process to uh, try and work with churches and pastors to bring them back into the fold of who we are and what we have deemed as important. But ultimately, we can't continue on in the way that we've been. I mean, even if you uh, remove all of those stodgy conservatives or all of those bleeding heart progressives and, you know, you have your perfect church all lined up, at the end of the day, if the people in leadership don't have the moral courage to hold the connection together around the things that we hold most important and say, you know, your apportionment dollars don't matter in comparison to us retaining a healthy, you know, denominational identity. Um, you know, because in my mind, the, the big issue in United Methodism right now, it's, it doesn't have to do with human sexuality, not really. Uh, the big issue is that I have kids graduate from Grove City High School and Central Crossing High School and Westland High School and Franklin Heights High School and Taze Valley High School every year. And I can't in good conscience tell them that if they just find their local United Methodist Church, it'll be okay. That's the problem. The problem is that our brand identity is non-existent because we haven't had the moral courage to say, um, this is who we are, this is what we have uh, determined is, is most important for the cohesiveness and the vitality of our connection. Um, and because of that, uh, you know, maybe at General Conference 2020, an actual plan will come forward that will provide for separation. Um, and when that day comes at Trinity, you know, we'll have a conversation about what we understand um, Christianity to be and uh, which uh, possible denominational landing spot is the closest to, to what we understand the mission and the purpose of Christ, um, you know, in the world, you know, who, who we will be in connection with most closely to, to live into that. But all of it's irrelevant if we hold on to that piece of our DNA that leaves us with this imperial, colonial sort of system of connection. Um, unless we move to uh, a franchise model, and you know, even that, I hate that language because it sounds so businessy. Um, but if we don't make that move, if, if our leaders don't have the moral courage to say, being a part of the United Methodist Church or the Wesleyan Covenant Association or the Liberationist Church or whatever has value, that the name has value, that the reputation has value, that the connection has value, that the benefits have value, and you are opting into them rather than there being an 
imposed upon you. Um, unless we make that shift in our mentality, the split is irrelevant. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk later.